Riverside Theater presents Hello Dolly! Winner of 10 Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Hello Dolly! is one of Broadway's most enduring and delightful musical comedies. Hello Dolly! is sponsored by the O'Hare Fessler Group, Merrill Lynch. Enjoy Hello Dolly! March 8th through the 27th at the Riverside Theater in Vero Beach. For tickets, visit RiversideTheater.com. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of those reviews that you have been putting up on iTunes and all the great comments you've been sending. Love you guys so much. Love how much you're saying how this show has impacted your lives. And today we are so honored to have my uh, guest on today who I just love and he offered to come on today when my guest canceled last minute. I can have him on every week and still not cover everything that we want to cover. And we have so much. So here I'm going to launch right into it today. My guest today is Ken Heron, and you probably know him from um, a previous show we've had. But he is a popular author, speaker, and also radio show host. His day job as Unified Inbox's chief marketing officer is helping authors and other people around the world use new technologies to develop stronger emotional connections online between their brands and their target audiences. He's held executive-level marketing and sales positions for multiple, multiple web and tech companies. Um, if I listed the names, you would just be like, oh, wow, okay. You know, I mean, we're talking Avaya, Lucent, AT&T, Social Grow, Online Buddies. He's a graduate of Stanford um, School of Business, he has a master's in international management. I mean, his degrees go on and on and on. He's ranked the number two chief marketing officer on Twitter worldwide. He is the guy to go to when you have a social media question or want to plan your social media strategy. So please welcome Ken back to the show. Ken. Thank you. It's great to be with you again. It is so great to be here. And we have so much to cover. <laughs> But here's a question that just comes up so much. Why social media for you? I mean, you have such a diverse background and your marketing skills are extraordinary. What made you decide to focus on social media? It wasn't my choice. It was my customers. Quite honestly, like many marketers, none of us learned any of this foolishness going to school. But as our customers went to different forms of media as marketers, the people who wanted to reach them, who wanted to sell our products and services to them, we had no choice. We either followed them to where they were spending their time, increasingly online, or we lost our ability to be relevant and effective in selling them. Well, that makes a lot of sense because so much of, a, of what people end up doing for their careers or for living is what the demand was. Sometimes they want to go one place, but you have to go what do what your customers and your clients really want. So that's a great lesson just right there, everyone. So, Ken, today we're, you wanted to focus on authors and social media for authors. But I want everybody to listen with a different set of ears because this is not just for authors. What Ken's going to be talking about can be applied to so many different 
areas. I got in a post in a group I'm in from a guy who's a, a musician, and he says, I've been dabbling in LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm starting to come to the conclusion that it's all a bit too much for me. I'm not even that great with keeping up on Facebook. I don't know how to be consistent on all of these platforms and still have time to do the other things that he loves doing, you know, like actually his music and stuff. So can we start there, Ken? There's so many social media, social networks that people think they need to be on. There's more to it than just being on the social network, right? You don't have to spend hours and hours a day doing this, do you? You don't, and it's a bit of a myth, and I think people, and why I focus in on authors and other creative people, they get their energy from doing what they do, from creating. For many of them, it is a real drudge. It is, they do not get their joy. Their bliss is not in posting to social media, but it is a phenomenal way and a phenomenally cost-effective way for them to connect to their chosen audiences and the audiences who will choose them once they're aware of them. But to, to answer your person's question, the musician's question, point on, you only need to be on the network, and it can be just one, that your target audience is on, the one that they use most. So it, it, the fact that he's trying to have a presence on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter, that may be more than he needs to do to be effective, and it may be so much that he is at risk of, of burning himself out. Which it sounds like, based on this post, that he is. It sounds like he's already there. Uh, I would suggest to him it's okay to pull back and think about, and if you don't know, it's okay to ask them, which social network, and start with just one, which one social network are the people that you're trying to reach, where do they spend their most time on, and just be on that network and be on it in a way not to buy my stuff, buy my stuff, but to share with them your process of creation, your inspiration, what drives you, and that can be a very, very effective way to connect with people who are not yet familiar with your music. It's also a very positive way for you to be it, that you don't feel that you're trying to sell or you're trying to be something you're not. You're just sharing your story. You know, I just had this huge aha, right? <laughs> I love when, when this happens. I actually got goosebumps when you were just talking. Musicians are authors. It's just yeah. a different kind. They're creatives. They're creatives. So what we're talking about don't think of it just as an author of a book. It's whatever you're authoring, whatever your process is. And you said something, um, you said what you're sharing on your social media is not about selling. Can you say that again? Because I think that's so important. You talked about sharing your creative process. Just share that again. It's very important uh, what some people forget. And, and again, all of us have to monetize. We have to pay the bills, you know. Often we are driven to social media, not to connect with people, but to sell whatever it is we create. Try to flip that. That It may seem ironic, but what is most effective is when you don't explicitly sell. Share your inspirations. Share the, the bits and pieces as you pull things together. That ability to pull open the curtain and show people behind the scenes is amazingly powerful because very often as a creator, 
you are sharing what you have created with people who don't necessarily have the gifts that you do. And being able to bring that to people is so incredibly powerful. Okay, so how do you balance then the fact that you do want to sell things? You have um, a CD to sell, you have a book to sell or, or something else. How do you balance that with social media? Like how often do you put a purchase link or link them back to something? I am comfortable with the, you may have heard the rules of thumb, one in 10, one in 20. I might even take it down that if you're engaging people, if you're getting people excited by your work, you always have the purchase link, the conversion link as we call it, available and at hand. Uh, Let me give a specific example. If you are on Facebook, you are doing your post, you're talking about what you're doing, you're talking about what you're creating, but in your profile, very prominent, you have to purchase my latest CD, click here. Although it's 2016, so it would be more like to download my latest song or my latest album, click here. That it's always there, but it's, I don't want to say it's in the margins, but it's a little off that you're not pushing that for sale, for sale message out. You're pushing the power of what you're creating, whether it's music, an information product, a white paper, you know, technical formulas, it, it doesn't matter. You're sharing what you've created, but also making it very easy and accessible for people to get it. Okay, so it's not in your actual post, but somewhere on that social media page... There is a way. So like in Facebook, if you have um, an author page, maybe it's the the action button where it's download here or buy here or something. Or on Twitter, it's in your um, your banner or off to the side somewhere in your content. Yes, yes. Okay. I would put it in your header image, the big photo. I would put it in very, you know, clear language, you know, in one of the corners, you know, purchase my music here with a very simple link that people can get to. I would additionally put it in the written profile so it's a live clickable hyperlink so people can simply click on it. Make it super easy, super obvious, but that's not the message. That's not what you've heard the term, what is your content management strategy? Well, your content strategy is not to tell people to buy your stuff. Your content strategy is to motivate and give people the reason to buy your stuff. And the conversion links, the purchase links, they are always present, always there at the side. Uh, We'll give the example of email. At the bottom of your email, many people neglect to include their purchase link. Well, you've included your phone number, often, if you still use one. You've included an email address. You've included all of these other wonderful things, your social media handles. Always, always, please include the, the primary link through which people can purchase what it is you happen to sell. That makes so much sense. And when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to have more with Ken Heron because we have so many more questions for Ken that he's going to share these great tips. So what social network are your potential clients on? Your fans, where do they live? Tweet us out and let us know where that is. See, Twitter, at the Laura Stewart or at Ken Heron at uh, Twitter. We'll be right back with more from Ken Heron. 
Ken, so here's my question to you, and I, I know you set up to talk about this. I don't get hashtags. I, on Twitter, and even on Facebook and LinkedIn, um, I know that they're helpful, but I can never figure out why hashtags, when I should use them, why I should use them, and how I remember to have my tweets short enough that I can add a hashtag. How's that for a mouthful? All right, let's start from the beginning. What the heck is a hashtag? A hashtag is any combination of words, letters, numbers that you put a hash mark, the pound sign, and for many of us that's above the number three on our keyboard, and it makes that word or that combination of letters and numbers clickable, searchable. You tend to use hashtags on Twitter, on Google+, on Instagram, and some other networks. They work on Facebook, but they are not as popular. They are not something that is yet done on LinkedIn. It really depends on the specific network. Okay. How do you pick a hashtag, and why is it important? It's important because it helps people to find the content you are talking about. Think of it this way. If you were to purchase keywords, if you were to go on and do Google pay-per-click for your business, what would be the words you would pay money for so that people could find you and your business? Those are the words you want to hashtag because those are the words people are looking for to connect with you because of what you offer as a business. And it has to be a single word? It can't be like a compound word or a couple of words? It can be anything. Okay. It can be anything you make up. It can be random. It can be an acronym. It can be whatever you choose it to be as an identifier. And if you're confused by hashtags, and most people are, again, this is all new to us. (laughs) Just a few years ago, if you had come to us and said, use a hashtag, they would have looked at you like you were crazy. Now, there's still a lot of people who look at me like I'm crazy today for saying that. Write your post, whether it's a tweet, to Facebook, write it. Don't worry about hashtags. Once it is written, go back and ask yourself, what is the one keyword in this post? What is that one magical word that if I hashtag it will help people looking for what I'm talking about to find this particular post? So people are searching for words, when they're not just looking at maybe their their feed in Facebook or on Twitter, they may actually go up to the search bar and put in um, questions or it's all about the questions or um, social media strategy. And then... Think specific. Okay. Hashtags often get very, very granular. So questions might not be helpful okay. to you. But if you have a guest talking, for example, about social media... If you put in social media, social media marketing, social media strategy, social media tips, you will find dozens if not thousands of people with posts talking about those very specific items. Seems like that's also a way to find out who your audience might be by searching hashtags that are out there and seeing who's trying to follow or looking at that particular hashtag. They may be somebody that would be interested in your book, your music, your product, whatever it might be. Yes. 
it helps you to identify who you should be proactively reaching out to. And I can give a very specific example. When I worked for a large hotel broker, we would often have unsold inventory. And on social media, people are always asking, can anyone recommend a good hotel in? What a wonderful phrase to look for if you happen to be selling unsold hotel room inventory. So you can use hashtags to look for the people who are really, can anyone recommend some good music? Can anyone recommend a radio show that can help me name your topic? By going in and proactively looking for the people who are already looking for the value you deliver, that is someone who potentially is a new member of your audience that you've just not yet discovered yet. So that helps us with the who should I be targeting on my social media if you're not certain, do a search on hashtags or phrases. All of the above. Okay. Let's start with most of us know who is interested in what it is we have to sell. So start with your existing clients or customers and then go out from there. That if you know, and it can be a demographic, a psychographic, or just someone with a particular interest, find those people, understand you've heard the term personas and, and you know, different ways to segment and target. It starts with understanding who is currently giving you money for the values you deliver, and then expand from that. And social media is a wonderful, wonderful way to do that. It is very. It used to take huge, huge money. When I worked in the, the big, bad corporate world, we would spend millions of dollars a year on customer analysis, customer targeting, just the research to understand who our customers were. Now, much of that is available for free to us in just a few seconds on social media. All right. Does it have to consume a lot of time for like that post I told you about? He's feeling completely overwhelmed by it. And a number of other people have said the same thing to me. Laura, you know, I wrote my book. I've got to do all this other marketing, all this other stuff. But I also need to write other books and and do speaking gigs and all that. How much time does this really take or does it need to take? Because it can take as much time as somebody has for it. Two answers to that, and you're 100% right. It will take as much time as you give it. What I advise people is to set a kitchen timer or the timer on your smartphone. If you want to give it 15 minutes a day, you can give it 15 minutes a day. And that's a question of prioritizing and getting the most out of that investment in time. If you have two hours a day to spend, you could very easily spend two very productive hours on your business with marketing. But let's not forget the obvious here. There are lots of very good people out there who can help this with you. I don't mow my own lawn. Uh, I could. Uh, Am I the world's best landscaper? No. Uh, Are there some really good people who enjoy doing that and are more than happy to take my money to do that for me? Yes. Uh, They're happy to do it. I'm happy to pay them to do it. I find better uses of my time. Many of the authors I work with, and I'll I'll mention one, Mary McGurk, uh, she is very busy writing her next book. She knows how important social media is, but she engages through me to have her social media be done for her to free her up to work on her next book. 
she's happy that her social media is cared for. Uh, we have, as best one can do, captured her voice. And we, every day we are reaching new people that would not have otherwise discovered her and what she has written. And she's able to focus, heads down, and work on her next book. And Miriam's going to be on the show on March 29th as well, because we're going to be talking about a wonderful, all wonderful stuff. person and is a great example of someone that just because you're busy, just because you've not done this before, doesn't mean you can't benefit from it greatly. And I, and I think sometimes can just maybe having somebody sit down with you for an hour and plan your strategy and help you through those initial stages and then, okay, I know my strategy now. Here's what I need to do. That, you know, it's both of us do consulting work. I consult with people to help them figure out what their business strategy is. And you do social media strategy. Once you know your strategy, isn't it a lot easier to then do the implementation? Then it if you're, is. yeah. It always starts with strategy. And you said it very well. When I consult with clients, I give them three options. I am more than happy to do it for you soup to nuts. I am more than happy to teach you how to do it so you can do it for yourself. And I'm also more than happy to just talk strategy with you, not teaching you how to do it. You may know that already, but to talk through with you, here's what to do. Okay, so great. Start with what to do, how to do it. Many people find that they prefer to do it themselves. And I greatly, greatly encourage that. But if someone doesn't have the time or this is just not what their strength is and what they want to do. And we are out of time to the news break. We're going to be back with more from Ken Heron right after the news. Social media, but I also hate social media <laughs> because it can so... I hear that from a lot of people. They just don't include that first part. They don't include the love, they just say hate? <laughs> yeah, they don't include the love part. All right, so somebody's trying to navigate. They're an author. They, and that could be anybody that is creating something. Images. How, I mean, are they that critical, that important? Images, video, something other than just words? How does that really yes. change your social media presence? They really are that important, so much so that I would challenge your listeners that when they post, never do a post without an image or a video. It really is that important. And why is it that important? Very simply, it can make the difference between someone seeing your post and not seeing your post. Why is that? Very simple. Uh, we're human. That if there is something visual, we are more likely to notice it and Test yourself. Look at your Twitter stream. Where does your eye rest? You'll see dozens and dozens and dozens of text-only posts. Maybe one will catch your eye, but the posts with images, especially compelling, relevant images, they're almost guaranteed to get your attention. Okay, you said compelling, relevant images. So how do you pick an image and where do you get them? There are hundreds of commercial use, important distinction there, photo database. You, br you broke there. up there, Ken? So you said there's hundreds of something. There are that. hundreds, if not thousands, of free <laughs> for corporate use image databases out there. Simply go to Google and, and search for them. 
Okay, so you said free for corporate use? Free for commercial use. Commercial use, which is You want to make sure that you are legally allowed to use the images for a for-profit business. All right, so how does somebody know if there is there a site that you prefer, but how do you know if you have the rights? Because I know you don't want to just grab an image off Google and use it because Getty Images is Very regularly bad. going yeah. after people and, and sending them bills and, they will. and suing them for hundreds of thousands. You will get a knock on your door at 3 in the morning and, and they will come after you. That and, is not recommended for anyone. It will say very clearly on the site, if the image database you are using does not say the exact words free for commercial use, don't use it. Go to one that does. Okay. Is there a site that you like? There are so many I use. Let me go to my list here. I just bookmark them all. Oh, let's see. There's one called freeforcommercialuse.net. net. Kind of catchy. Yeah. Uh, but just literally just Google free stock images for commercial use, and you will have hundreds and hundreds of them. Uh, the answer is not the one with the best photos. What you're looking for is the one with the best search, the one that enables you to search for emotion, the one that a- enables you to search for abstract concepts, because very rarely will you do a search, I want a businessman sitting at a table at an outdoor cafe using a laptop. You'll say you want an image of peace or an image of stress or an image that can convey a certain feeling or emotion. So play with the search tool in whatever database you're looking at. And if you don't like the way it searches and the images it returns, try another because there are so many out there. Okay, so now you get the image. And you're not saying just post the image. And this is something that I've sort of struggled with because I don't have a Mac and I don't do well on my iPhone. There's not a lot of PC-based things that use this all the way, like PicMonkey and Canva quite a bit. Um, It's not just the image, it's what you're putting on the image, correct? Um, Yes and no. If you find a great image, it is fine to just include the image. If you have access to a smartphone, and yes, many of the programs are iPhone only, I, I get that, so apologies if you happen to use an Android phone, it may be enough to motivate you the next time you upgrade your phone to at least consider an iOS phone. My current favorite site, and to your point, uh, an actual app that allows you to include text on your images in a very quick, easy, and free way is a product called Adobe Post. Adobe Post is a mobile app, iOS only, uh, for iPhones at this point, but it works so well and so quickly to allow you to overlay text your Twitter handle, your website, your name, your phone number, whatever is appropriate, as well as your messaging on these photos that you find. Really works well. Okay, so those are some great tools. How do you decide what text? I mean, people struggle. I hear this all the time from people I know with what you should actually be putting on an image. Like how long should it be? It's like telling a painter what they should paint. It's what you feel. It's what you think makes sense. One way that I use it, let's say, Laura, 
you've just written a blog post. It's phenomenal. Brought tears to my eyes. I can't wait to share it with the world. Aw, thank you, Ken. My, my actual post may have words you sent, oh, Laura, great post. Everybody should read this. And I include the link. Well, that's kind of eaten up all of my characters. I don't have a lot of space to actually put any of the great things you said. I may read through your post, pick out the one quote that really spoke to me that I thought was truly meaningful, stick that on top of a photo, put your name there so they know it was a quote by you. And of course, hey, I'm a marketer. I've got an ego. I will probably put my Twitter handle in a corner of the photo, not to try and take credit for what you said, your quote, uh, your name is there, but to show people that I'm the one who created the image. Because if I do a great job on the image, the image may have a viral life and may get shared without the original text. And I want to make sure that it can always be identified and come back to me as the person who created it. So for an author, or even a musician, for an author, let's talk about that, you can find images for quotes from your book and put quotes yeah. from your book onto those images and, and post those regularly. For a musician, maybe it's the verse of a song or um, a line from your song. Even better, reviews, testimonials. But if you have written a book, chances are you have many, many reviews online. Snip pieces from the reviews that you like give them full credit as to, to where the review came from so that people know it's real, and use that on top of images that are relevant to the quote or relevant to what's being discussed. Oh, that's a great tip. Everybody get that one? If you have reviews, which most of you out there do, take a snip from a review, a testimonial, an endorsement, and put that on an image and put that out on social media. So how frequently should somebody posts and it say their their books are already out or this is a two-parter they're writing a new book how often should they be posting to build up for that new next thing this is a a little more complex of an answer the simple answer is at least one post a day minimum the larger answer is that there are three pieces to this there is something called follower management growing your audience. There is something called audience management, engaging with your audience. And there's something called content management, which is what we traditionally think of as writing and then posting content. If you are in growth mode, if you are writing that new book, if you are growing your audience, you really want to do all three or have someone do for you all three pieces. So that's follower management, proactively growing targeted followers followers on a daily basis, audience management, making sure to answer questions, proactively engage with targeted people, and the third, in essence, what we were talking about, coming up with really great, fun things to share with people and to post, minimum one a day, a maximum for most people of three a day. Think of it as your breakfast, lunch, and dinner strategy that you don't want those three posts to go out all at the same time. You want to spread them out throughout your day. All right. Um, we're going to be going into our last commercial break, but I wanted to make sure we covered this in, in this segment. We've got a, about a minute and a half left. What should people be doing to sell more books? And we'll continue this after the break if we need to. 
the big thing is to make it easy for people to purchase your book and to give them a reason to. I love the idea, and some people disagree with me, especially editors and publishers, give them a taste. If you have written a book, give them the first chapter for free. And SlideShare is an ideal social network upon which to do that because you can then take that SlideShare link to your first chapter and you can put it on all of your other social networks. It also allows you to include the purchase link so once they start reading the first chapter, they want to continue, you've made it super easy for them to purchase the book. And for those who are not familiar with SlideShare, what is that? SlideShare is a presentation-based network. We usually think of it for PowerPoint presentations, but it works very, very well for any PDF document like the first chapter of your book. So yet another social media platform. <laughs> but it's it's acts in a completely different way. I, I love that. All right. So we're going to be back with Ken Hearn for our last segment, and we're going to be talking about... What happens when you attend events? How do you make your social media go viral and become word of mouth when you're at a physical event? We'll be right back with more from Ken Heron. Before the break, we were talking about SlideShare and sharing a chapter of your book or sharing um, a portion of, of what your content is, your writings. What if somebody doesn't want to share their writing online or their music online? How do you... All of this is... Purely optional. You know, you don't have to do anything. That's the nice part about social media. What I like to do is share with people what works, what are the best practices, and then they can make their own decisions. Some authors contractually are not able to post their content up on social media and give it away for free. But the authors I've worked with and the data I've seen, giving away your first chapter for free can be amazingly powerful and can really drive sales, which is what we're doing this for. Right. So even though you may not blatantly be saying, buy this, you are saying it subtly by showing them how great your stuff is and helping them connect to you, correct? I would say it's the least subtle way of marketing. Think when you go to the supermarket, when you go to Whole Foods, there is some very, very nice person there who's giving you a piece of cheese, a piece of meat, a piece of something. They're doing that because you have that first taste, especially if it's something you would not normally purchase, and you think, that's a pretty darn good piece of cheese. I think I'll look into that. And they sell a lot of cheese through sampling. It's no different than that. You're using social media to help sample your product, knowing that a good percentage of the people who read it for free will love it, and end up purchasing your book. I love the way you describe that. That's great. Now, um, I go to a lot of events. I do book signings. I go to other events and things like that. And a number of the authors that are out there are beginning to do that or are doing it. How do they build their lists from physical events and direct people to their social media? A couple different ways. I am a huge fan of live tweeting especially if the event has a hashtag, that is an incredible way for you to build an audience very, very rapidly. I am also a fan of using Periscope and doing live streaming. Actually interview people there at the event, and it can either be in short snippets or one longer piece, but Periscope has really changed the game in terms of enabling you to connect 
Because a lot of us say, oh, I don't like being on video. I don't like, you know, using video. Well, you can still effectively use video. You can be the person behind the camera asking questions of others. It doesn't have to be you, the person that the camera is on. And explain Periscope to those who do not know what Periscope is, please. Oh, you're going to love this one. It's another network. <laughs> uh, it allows for something called live streaming, which is literally live broadcasting, and all you need is a smartphone. And you have to have and a Twitter account. By, you don't have to. It helps because Periscope is owned by Twitter. So it is very, very helpful, especially as Meerkat, who is a competitor to Periscope, has gotten out and is moving out of the live streaming business. It is really the go-to app for you to be able to live stream great video content from an event. Okay. Now, you're live streaming with Periscope or you're live tweeting or you're posting from Facebook and, and using all those new technologies that can take up a lot of time while you're at an event. Where... Yes and no. Let me push back on that. Okay. Why are you at the event? You're at the event to connect with people, to okay. network, to sell whatever it is you're selling. These tools, don't think of them as barriers or think of them as time. Think of them as clever tools for you to better engage people. Maybe you're a shy person. You're an introvert. It would be uncomfortable for you to go up and talk to people with Periscope, you have a couple of interview questions, and you're going up and you're interviewing people. Some people find that much easier as a way to get to know people and to initiate conversation. So it goes back again to the strategy. It's not going to take up a massive amount of time if you have a strategy for what you're doing when you get to that event. Yes. It all starts with what are you, whether you're an author, musician, someone who, who makes ceramic pots, what are you trying to achieve? That's the only reason we're using social media. This is not about fun and giggles. This is about moving forward your objectives for your particular business. Okay. Ken, can you share how my listeners can get in touch with you if they have questions or want to help get their strategies together? Because you're just wonderful at answering questions. Thank you. They can reach out to me on Twitter, of course. It's at sign Ken Heron, K-E-N-H-E-R-R-O-N. They can Google me, Ken Heron, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, shoot an email, ken.heron at unifiedinbox.com. I will also offer your listeners for any that are using social media, Unified Inbox makes a product called Outbox Pro. Love it. Social Media Management. Happy to give all of your listeners a hundred free posts on Outbox Pro in exchange for trying it. It's free to download, free to use for your first hundred posts, and I would be more than happy to set them up with that as it does make it easier for them, especially for people who want to do all their posts in the morning and have them go out throughout the day. Okay, so let's let's talk about it. I love Outbox Pro. I think it's a fantastic product because it helps you control your your time management a lot better. And also you can say, all right, I'm going to do something now and I want it to go out at an optimum time that you've seen. Why use a tool to schedule your posts? And I'd go a little farther than that. It's not just scheduling your posts, which for many people is a more efficient use of their time, but it's also scheduling posts on multiple networks. You just said, I don't have time for Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, with Outbox Pro, you can write your post and it can go on all of those networks from one single tool, one single interface. 
that's a huge time savings and it really fits with the strategy then as well. Yes. It also allows you to involve others. Let's say you have a nephew or you have an agency. You can use it so that you can look at and actually approve every post before it goes out if you have someone else who is doing the grunt work of writing and creating them all for you. Well, that could prevent a lot of nastiness that could happen if a yeah. post goes out. We all have seen with a lot of politicians and celebrities. Prevents a lot of drunk tweets. <laughs> and I shouldn't laugh because I've received a number of drunk tweets from people. I'm like, go pull that. and But you can't always pull it. The damage is done to whoever's out there. It's already out there, especially if it's a really good drunk tweet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so last thoughts that you'd like to leave my listeners with, Ken. To be okay with doing something that's a little outside of your comfort zone, I have to acknowledge none of this stuff existed just a couple of years ago. A few years from now, we may be using different tools, different processes. It's okay to try something you've not done before, but always look at the results. Start with what it is you want to achieve. See if a particular tool is doing it for you, and if not, it's okay to stop and try something else. I like that because so many people feel they have to stay committed forever, but you have to give it a time period. How long should somebody give a social media platform to see if it's working for them? If you are not seeing tangible results in 30 days, either look for, for some help because it may be you're just not using it effectively or that may not be the right platform for you. There are people who are super successful on Instagram and have failed miserably on LinkedIn. Does that mean LinkedIn is bad and Instagram is good? No. It means for them, Instagram is a better fit, a better tool. Use what works for you. This isn't about using something because some expert told you to. It's about using what works for you in your business. That is a perfect last thought. Thank you so much for being here, Ken. And one more time, best way to reach out to you? On Twitter, at sign Ken Heron or email ken.heron at unifiedinbox.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always. And I, I have a few more things that I'm going to be doing once I get home to um, make my social media even more impactful. And I promise you I'll be adding more images, everybody. <laughs> if you need help with your social media strategy, I love Ken. He is my personal social media Yoda. I love him. He's really helped me tremendously. And a number of clients that I've referred him to, he has great content. And if you're looking for some help and you want to mastermind, I have 100-Day Mastermind starting up, everybody. If you're interested, reach out to me at laura at laurasteward.com. Remember, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? And it's not just about asking yourself, but who are you asking those questions to? Tweet to me at the Laura Stewart and tweet to Ken at, at Ken Heron and let us know what you think of this show today. And if you have other questions about social media and authors, let us know. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.